Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Let's have a moment to pray together again. It's good, Father, to orient ourselves around that confession. The God who is, not the God that we want to be, but the God who is. Three in one, majestic, holy, glorious, powerful. And God, our confession is today is that you are sovereign. You are the one who reigns. And that gives us a platform from which to go out and do the things that you've said are most important to do. And as we've gathered together today, as we're watching online, I pray, Father, that as we engage you and you engage us from your word, that you would go to work in us and transform us in a way such that none of us are the same. None of us, not a person here, not a person watching, none of us are the same. Don't leave us the same. We've all come from different places. We've all had different experiences. We are all, all united in our great need for you to be here and speak to us. So now please do so. And those of you here in the room, you watching online, just take a moment and finish that prayer however you need to finish it. Say whatever to the Lord that you feel like you need to. We commit this to you, Father. As for your spirit by your word to be at work in us and do so for the glory of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Thank you. You may grab a seat. If you have your Bibles, you can grab them and open to Matthew chapter 4. Big welcome to those of you watching online. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, for all of you here and there, uh, my name is Trent. I have the privilege of being the pastor here. It's great to have you. Along the way, if you have questions or if you have any um, specific needs, um, certainly prayer requests, we would love to hear from you. Just send a text um, to 833-520-0764. Again, 833-520-0764. We will respond to you just as quickly as we can. Um, anything that you would like us to know about, we would be so happy to hear from you on that. So uh, today we're going to start uh, this series in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you grew up around church, then you know uh, that the Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter five. If you didn't know that, uh, no big deal. You don't get points taken off or anything, but um, we're going to set up the series that is to come um, with understanding who Jesus is speaking to as he outlays the best sermon you have ever heard preached. And I know you've heard some good ones. Am I right? Oh, you pagans. All right. So, uh, just kidding. It's, it's the greatest. I mean, it is the great, it is my favorite three chapters, concurrent chapters in the Bible. And uh, man, I think Jesus is going to say something. Let me tell you a little bit about the heart behind it and why we're engaging it the way that we are. Um, I've heard this repeatedly in ministry, 25 years of ministry. And I have also heard this just this past week, um, where somebody has said along the way, man, I just want to move on. Like, thanks for this, but I just want to move on in the Christian life. The mistake that is in that line of thinking is we do not move on from these things. If we are to grow spiritually, we don't move on from these things. We go deeper into these things. 
And I cannot think of a deeper, more profound uh, set of words to engage than the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I, I pull that idea and that teaching, and this is actually the verse that I um, set before the folks who said that to me in Second John 9, and it says this, everyone who goes on ahead, and the word there is something like runs off. Everyone who kind of runs off, goes on ahead, and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. So you're missing out on what God actually wants to do. But whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So the idea is simply, you do not move on from the things that Jesus has said. You move deeper into them. We abide in them. We take root in them. And from that rootedness, then amazing stuff happens. And so I want to jump in and get going here. Um, uh, because I think this is a, a good way to step into this. Um, we have a little, uh, we have several kind of modern day proverbs or sayings along the way, and you can play along. Certainly you at home, please feel free to go ahead and just give a big shout out right back to the TV or screen or whatever you're watching it on. Let, let's do a little practice here. Um, if at first you don't succeed, okay, we're one for one. Good job. All right. That's good. Uh, a bird in the hand. Now, some of you were not so sure about that. A bird in the hand, why would you be holding a bird? That's weird. Uh, uh, is worth two in the bush. Uh, there is no time like the present. Very good. Okay, so we're doing well so far. How about this one? Um, absence makes... Now, the question is, is that always true? Like sometimes absence makes the heart grow fainter, right? Or even like you're glad that it's growing. I mean, so, you know, that's some things. So it's not always true. Um, and, and here's another one where uh, you, you may find some contrast here. Familiarity breeds contempt. My argument is, is that, um, my, my argument is this. That it is not our familiarity with the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings of Jesus that has bred our contempt or indifference to it. It's actually our unfamiliarity with it that has bred our indifference and maybe even our contempt. And so, looking forward to this, it feels to me, um, as the pastor of our little crazy family of people here, it, it feels to me like these are weighty and important days for us. And so I just want to sit down in this teaching over the next several, several um, uh, chapters here, and man, I cannot wait to see how God does this. Uh, to, so uh, to start us, let's just do a little description of our culture, a little diagnosis of this, okay? So uh, if you were to describe our culture, there would be words that you uh, have, uh, the words that you come up with, words that you offer up. I'm going to offer up three. You tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. But here's, here are my three. Our culture is scared. They are scared of pandemics. They are scared of politics. They are scared of the people next door. They're scared of the future. They're scared of the past. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. They're scared. And that shows up in the way that we respond to events and circumstances and situations that occur in um, our culture and in our lives. They're just, they're scared. Um, Christians have this same kind of issue too. We, we um, confess that Jesus is Lord. Um, we believe, um, give assent, if you will, to the fact that Jesus is King, but we act like he's still in the grave. We don't want to be those people. We don't want to live with that kind of fear. Our culture is scared. Um, and that doesn't, uh, just for Christians, for those of us who follow Jesus, that doesn't make us passive. To believe that Jesus is in charge of the world does not make us passive. It gives us solid ground from which to go and do the things that he said are important to do. But our culture is scared and lives scared. Our culture is also selfish. Anybody? 
Um, there is a scarcity mentality that permeates. If I'm losing, or excuse me, if they're winning, then I'm losing. As if there's not enough in the world to go around. There is a, um, uh, there, there is a question, that, well, excuse me, before we move on. Like there, there is a gain-loss metric that, is, that permeates absolutely everything these days. There's a question that gets cycled around. It gets cycled around in political conversations and personal conversations. It gets uh, cycled around on the right. It gets circled around on the left. And it, it is this. What are my rights? What are my rights? Without, that, I mean, it's a good question. It's an important question, but it, it, it comes with a corollary question. The question of what are my responsibilities? And they don't get to that second one. And it shows just how selfish they are. And... Uh, a third way that this shows up is how, this question. How does this make me look? How does this stance make me look? How does this action that I'm taking make me look? How does this selfie make me look? How does it make me look? You're selfish. Concerned about how I am being viewed. Uh, and if you take those two, if you take scared and you take selfish and kind of draw a line on it and put a little plus out beside, you add these two together, you get the word that overarches our culture and that is superficial. Like if I were to give the single diagnosis to it, it would be superficial. Our culture um, expresses its superficiality by talking past one another consistently. We've talked about this a lot recently, but talking past one another instead of talking to one another. We raise our voices to make sure that we're heard in a really, really loud room that nobody's listening to us anyway. Um, We are worried about representing my truth, not the truth. We're not even worried about somebody else hearing truth. We're just worried about representing my truth truth. Um, We live in a world of sound bites instead of sound arguments. And that is an expression of our superficiality and on and on and on we could go. And I wish, I just wish that it stopped at the doors of this building right here. But superficiality also invades the church. Um, If you grew up around church, some of these things that I'm about to say may seem familiar to you. If you didn't, you didn't miss much on this front. I just want you to know. Um, But we have reduced at times our theology to bumper stickers. If you have this on your car, I'm not judging you too much. Okay, so Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. We're just forgiven? We're not adopted into God's family and dwelt by the Spirit of God, a part of the victorious people of God, and living in the kingdom of God, which will last forever? That doesn't actually fit on a bumper sticker. I understand that, but like, that's why we can't put it on a bumper sticker. If you were a part of this in the 90s, you will appreciate this. There was the fish wars. Again, if you'd missed it, I just go, you missed it. You're so good. The fish wars. Uh, there was a, um, a, a little plastic decal almost kind of thing that you would stick on the back of your car, and it was a fish. And it represented, early Christians actually represented um, good theology and their followership of Jesus by a fish. They would put it, uh, they would draw it on the ground, they would um, have it um, displayed in their houses, this fish, because it, ichthus is the Greek word and it stood for some things. It's a great, great symbol. And so then we put it on the back of our cars in this little plastic emblem thing. Now we drove like people from a completely different place. People have asked us, why doesn't our church have bumper stickers? I'm like, I've seen the way you people drive. That's why. I'm the guiltiest one. Don't kid yourself. So, we, we, so you put the fish on the back of your car, right? And this is, this is now how people know that you follow Jesus, is you've got a fish on the back of your car. Then somebody who was really funny, I think, came along, and they made the Darwin fish. 
It said Darwin in the middle and had the two little legs out, right? And then because somebody couldn't have that happening, um, you had the truth fish swallowing the Darwin fish. Anybody remember that? If you're at home, just wave to the TV. That is not spiritual warfare, people. That is not, that, that is an expression of the superficiality of the culture invading the church, as if that represents discipleship and witness. It, it would be bad enough if the superficiality of the culture just invaded the church house, but it doesn't stop at those doors. It also comes right into here, right into here. That superficiality um, takes over us at times. And so we, we personally struggle with things like defining our spiritual life by the activity that we do. We sit, we sing, we pray, um, we give, we show up. We do any number of things and we call that our engagement. We, like everybody else in the culture, look to social media as a source of our affirmation and worth, or maybe even the primary source of our affirmation and worth. We reduce our lives to, oh my goodness, I just don't want to screw up too bad. And worse, we reduce our parenting to, I hope my kids don't screw up too bad. No longer are we pulling back arrows, Psalm 127, and launching them into the fray so that they are difference makers in the world. We just don't want them to embarrass us. Superficial. We trade KRBE for KSBJ and think, man, discipleship, that's good. Listen, there is more to the life that Jesus is inviting us to than just those things. And so this is why we need to hear these words of Jesus and learn to abide, learn to abide in them. So uh, here we go. If we could put this in a sentence, I would say it this way. Superficiality means that absurdity reigns. Absurdity reigns and confusion. The confusion in the culture and in the church and in our own hearts makes it all look normal. Folks, we have lived with abnormal for so long, we think that it's normal. And when we see people living normal Christian lives, we don't recognize them at all as normal. So, in steps Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he, that's Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, even proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel is a good Bible word. And um, if you're not sure what it means, it means good news. It was uh, borrowed from the culture of the day. And in that day, the gospel would be the news that came back from the front, from the battle place, uh, from from wherever it happened, um, uh, from a, a, a place of conflict or power where they would either announce the birth of a king or the victory of a king. The runners would come back to the city and go, our team won, our team won. That was good news. That was the gospel that came. So this this gospel, this good news of the kingdom, of the reign is what it says. And, And healing every disease. So he put power to those words, healing every disease, every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains. 
Those oppressed by demons. Uh, if you have an older translation, maybe uh, demon-possessed, probably oppressed by demons, I think is actually a better translation. Those who are under the influence of the darkness. Epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the, the Decapolis. Decapolis is the uh, Gentile region. And from Jerusalem, Judea, and even beyond the Jordan. So, um, into this craziness steps Jesus. Into this chaos, into this absurdity steps Jesus. And he is looking to clear up the confusion. And I just want to give, as we jump in here, I want to give two very quick things. Uh, one is, some people think that the teaching of Jesus in this particular section is for a different time and a different place. I don't think that could be any further from the truth. The kingdom of God, Jesus says in Matthew four seventeen, is at hand. At hand means where? Right here. Right here. So the kingdom is near to us. It's not then and there. It's here and it's now. And a much, much broader swath of Christianity thinks that what Jesus is going to do is give us a bunch of new rules by which we can live. Don't buy that. Don't buy it. Instead, what he's trying to do is inspire us with a vision of life and then um, invite us into that kind of life, a life that is marked by eternity such that we get on about the business of living eternal lives right this very moment. That's what he's after. So. In light of that, I wanted just two words to describe the kingdom. We'll put a couple of bullets under each of those, but let me give you two words to describe the kingdom. Uh, it is a transformational kingdom. Jesus is in the business of transforming people's lives. <clears throat> he went about proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The transformational work of Jesus is not just speaking words, although these words have power and they mean something, so we need to recognize that. It's also about transforming people's lives. Jesus isn't just leaving us nice things to think about or ethics to follow. He is, he is in the business of transforming our lives and doing so at a level that is profound, that is deep. If I could put word to the kind of transformation that Jesus is after, it is deep. Jesus is in the, is in the business of transforming us deeply. Not just words, but power. Paul, reflecting on this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, said, The kingdom of God is not just words. It's power. That's where we are. And some of us think, well, Jesus is in the business of thank you, um, transforming us. And what he wants us to do is bring, bring our lives into some sort of conformity to a set of rules. Nope, not it. There are all sorts of people who could live in conformity or in compliance to a set of rules and miss the, the heartbeat of Jesus and the kingdom work of Jesus altogether. I can be compliant to a certain set of rules and still never actually buy into the values that lay behind those rules. Jesus is going to pick this up later in chapter 5, verse 20. He said there were a, there were a group of scribes and Pharisees, and they are so focused on externalities that, and being right in the externals that they miss the kingdom altogether. It comes right by them like a freight train, and they don't even know it. If you think Jesus is only after your behavior, well, he just wants my money. He just wants my... And let me tell you, it's way worse than that. 
Jesus is coming after your heart. Now, in the Western culture, when we think about heart, we think about Valentine's Day uh, and uh, kind of the emotional, uh, the the feel-good place of us. The Bible, when it talks about heart, is the very core of who you are. It is the boardroom, if you will, of your existence. It is the place where the decisions get made. And so when the Bible talks about heart, you need to think about the deepest part of the deepest part. That's why we're saying Jesus is in the business of transforming us deeply. He didn't just give good news of the kingdom. He also gave um, uh, healing and, and, uh, uh, and transformation in these people's lives here in verse 23, healing every disease, every affliction, and so on. So you and I, we need to get past the idea that, is, that he is at work and the level of action, and instead let us realize and just make room for this idea that Jesus is in the business of transforming our hearts. He's in the business of transforming our hearts. Now, if you've been around our church family, um, You've heard that before a lot. But I want to say this again. Here is what he is not after. If you're new to church or you're new to the idea of Christianity, Jesus doesn't want you to obey. He doesn't. He wants to transform you to become the kind of person who normally obeys. And those are two very different things. People can be compliant in one area without ever being changed on the inside. And folks, he's not going to have any of that. He's coming after our hearts. He wants to lay siege to us and us on the inside. Our hearts conquer our hearts. And he knows that once he gets that, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that follows. And that actually leads me um, to this next point. He wants to transform us not only deeply, but also wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly. He wants to transform us wholly. Um, he, he, he is not um, going to let us live. He is not going to tolerate um, us living with this idea that, hey, I'm actually doing okay in these particular segments of my life. That's not it. Nope. 2020, I think, has disabused us of that notion altogether. We're not okay in many areas of our lives. And so Jesus isn't going to let us live with that. He is instead going to step in and say, do exactly what he did here. Can we just read along in verse 24? His fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. The sick are made well. The wholeness of Jesus uh, that, that he offers to us, I mean, gets expressed right here. The sick are made well. Those with pains, they are healed. The paralyzed move. The epileptics gain control of their bodies and their lives. Those who are under the influence of the darkness and, and demons, they are delivered. Folks, that is a whole kind of of transformation. And so I, I just want to offer you that the things that will unfold in the weeks to come is we'll pick up this huge Bible word righteousness and righteousness. Um, Hosea ten twelve says, right. When we sow righteousness, we reap love and that love will permeate us. We will see a vision of life of a love that permeates all of who we are. And that love um, will then, uh, as it permeates us, we will live these holy lives and that holiness will lead to our wholeness. And the wholeness of those around it. it. It allows us to be brokers of this. It is, it is consuming in nature. There is no sphere of our lives that is not touched by this amazing, powerful work of transformation in our lives. No sphere. And again, some of us think, oh, now I got, I got this part under control. No, we don't. I mean, just look in the mirror. We don't. 
We don't have it under control. And I just, you know, let, let's talk real practical here. Um, you can raise your hand if you want to. Just know that you're inviting judgment from everybody else in the room. But did anybody struggle, have a moment this week where anger got out of control in you? I know a guy. Um, how, how about desires that got mismanaged or out of whack? Any married people in here have any marital strife this week? Yeah. No, yeah, no. Anybody use verbal manipulation to get what you want or have verbal manipulation used against you? Anybody have someone that you would consider an enemy that you cursed instead of blessed? I mean, I just, that's the rest of Matthew chapter 5 right there, starting at about verse 21. Anger, desire, marital stuff, verbal manipulation, and on and on. I mean, Jesus is going to work deep in our hearts on those kinds of things so that you and I can see, hey, listen, the kingdom of God as it comes to us. As it comes to us, as we surrender to him, the kingdom of God changes us on those levels, on those even practical levels. And some people think, and maybe it's because of bad teaching, maybe it's because of something else. Some people think, man, if I just surrender this, my life is going to get easier. Let me be kind enough and loving enough to tell you. If you have been taught before that if you surrender your life, your life gets, surrender your life to Jesus, your life gets easier, you've been taught unbelievably wrong. Your life doesn't get easier, but your life works. And so at the end of Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, his last big image is two guys building houses. One builds on rock, one builds on sand. Big storm comes through, winds blow, rain falls, waters rise. The one built on the sand crashes down. The one built on the rock stays. What's the difference? It's not the storms. He says, if you build, if you hear these words of mine and do them, you're like the guy who builds on the rock. If you hear these words of mine and don't do them, you're the sand builder. Same storms. Folks, the same pandemic is happening to all of us. The same craziness and chaos is, is happening to all the, the difference is not in whether or not, you know, Jesus is going to make my life easier. He's going to make my life work. That's what he's doing. An eternal kind of life today. He transforms us deeply. And the work that he does is a work on the totality of who we are. Wholeness. Wholeness. But it's also, and this is the best part for me, I think, I, like, I, I love this part, I love this part as a pastor, the, the, the kingdom is available. The kingdom of Jesus is not just transformational, that would be enough, but it's also available, and he makes it to these people. Can we read along again uh, here in, in verse 24? Uh, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Now, when you think about um, the transformational work of Jesus and then how he makes it available, he makes it available to folks who are really jacked up. He makes it available, first of all, to those who are ostracized, people who are under the influence of darkness, under the demon, the, the influence of demons, uh, those who are then paralytics. In those particular days, those are the people who were ostracized. They were the people who were beyond the pale. They were the people who were the outcasts. You and I, we may have different people in our lives that we um, 
kind of segment or classify as people who don't belong here. But Jesus makes the kingdom available precisely to those people. Precisely to them. The power that he brings to transform people's lives and to transform the totality of people's lives is available to those who are ostracized or we consider ostracized. It is available. Secondly, it is available to those who are broken. Back in verse 24 again, the sick, afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who are epileptics even, those broken. And so if you've come today, if you're listening today, and you think the kingdom is available to folks who look a little bit nicer, have a little bit better life, aren't quite as far downstream as I am, I get that. I mean, the guy down the row, the guy next door, they look like they're nice people. The kingdom's available to them, but not me. Listen, it's precisely you that Jesus makes the kingdom available. When we look next week, starting to look at the, what's called the Beatitudes, those blesseds that Jesus unfurls in Matthew chapter 5, you'll see there's all sorts of folks in there, broken and busted, and he makes the kingdom available to them, those broken. And so if you come broken because of your own choices or choices, again, that were made for you, you got your own baggage or the bags were packed for you, Jesus is in the business of um, giving you, you, the kingdom. But not just those who are broken. There are those then who um, are broken and they know that they're broken and they long for wholeness. And they go, oh man, if there's just a way somewhere along the way that I could experience this kind of wholeness that you're talking about, that I could experience this kind of transformation that you're talking about, I've got good news for you. Jesus is bringing and making available the kingdom to you. And, and, if you say, I've been broken for so long and I've tried so much and nothing's, nothing's, nothing works, and you have simply resigned yourself to your brokenness. You have taken your life and pulled over to the shoulder and hit the flashers and popped the hood. And you're just waiting on the tow truck from Jesus to come get you. Take me home. Take me home. Take me home. I've got good news. The kingdom is available to you. The transformational, deep work holistic work of Jesus is available to you. Folks, you do not have to live, you do not have to live resigned to your brokenness. It is available to you. It is available to you. And, verse 25, to those distant, great crowds followed him from Galilee, which is his neighborhood, and the Decapolis, so Jews and Gentiles and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, the place on the other side of the river. That's them backwoods folks. Even they show up. Those folks who are distant. The kingdom is available to those who are distant. That may describe some of you in the room. That may describe some of you watching at home. Yeah, me, me and God, we're not exactly on speaking terms right now. kingdom is available. The transformational power of Jesus 
is available to those who are distant. And if you've, you yourself feel distant today, I just want to know, want you to know Jesus is making this eternal kind of life and living available to you. And if the person that you've been praying for, the person that is wearing your wedding ring, the person that you're raising in your household right now, if those people are distant, there's never a distance too great for him. Isaiah 59 says, don't think that the Lord is so far off that his ear can't hear or that his arm is too short that he can't reach down and save. The kingdom is available to you who are distant. How how is the kingdom available? Well, Matthew 4, verse 17. Here in the text, it reads this way. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. I put it up on the screen like this. Rethink your thinking. And it's, repent is a word that gets lost sometimes for us. It's a, it's a Bible word. It's a good word. It's a good word. But we, we lose some of the things because we, we think, you know, any number of things. It literally means to rethink your thinking. In our Western context, that we almost have to add a parenthesis, rethink your thinking, parenthesis, and realign your life. In light of the fact that the kingdom is available to you. Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. It's right here. The kingdom is right here. And so what do we do? We realign, we rethink our thinking, and we realign our lives around this incredible offer and availability of the kingdom to you and to me, the transformational nature and the power that is available to us through trust in Jesus. And that's the only way to get it. It's the only way to get it. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. You can't dance your way into it. You can't give your way into it. You trust. That's how you do it. You trust. And Jesus has secured this availability. How? Through his death and his resurrection. Death because he dealt with the thing that conquers us consistently, our sin. Resurrection. He dealt with the consequences. The little brother, little big brother of of sin is death. And so He dealt with the consequences of that when he died on the cross for our sin and then rose from the grave. All of the sin and all of the shame, all of the brokenness he took on himself, absorbed in himself so it wouldn't consume us. He allowed it to consume him. And then he rose from the grave victorious. And so when he says, rethink your thinking and realign your lives around this fact that the kingdom is available. It is an inspiring story, that's for sure, but it's an inviting story. And some of you in the room today maybe need to put your trust in the king for the very first time. Receive forgiveness and receive a new kind of way to live, an eternal living that we call eternal life. If you're watching online, you may be sitting at home and God's done something inside of you. You just just know that he's laid something open inside of you best thing you can do is to bring that to him and just know that he'll meet you where you are kingdom is available to you maybe there's a particular portion of your life a segment section of your life that some sphere that you need to surrender to him you thought you were managing it okay and pandemics and craziness have proven otherwise This morning, the best response is for you to rethink your thinking about that particular part of your life and realign that particular part of your life 
in light of the fact that Jesus has made the kingdom available through his death and through his resurrection. So I'm going to offer a prayer, and we in the room are going to respond this way. As we've done many times now in pandemic life, uh, we're just going to have some time for you to sit and receive. Or if you need to stand and sing, you go right ahead. You at home, you may want to keep your Bible open. You may just want to sing along. It's a great song with a great, incredible message. The cross has the final word over our lives. A lot of other things want to say that they have the final word. A lot of other things want to pretend that they reign. Jesus is the one who reigns. And if you need prayer this morning, you need to know what it means to follow Jesus. Send a text to that number we've repeated, 833-520-0764. One more time, 833-520-0764. We'd love to hear from you. Let me pray, and then we'll have a moment to respond. Father, now, as we have um, opened your word, and I thank God in so many ways, you have opened us up. Would you please let these things settle deep down into us? Please don't let the enemy take anything away from these moments. And Father, I... I set before you these brothers and sisters here in the room, those that are watching at home. I pray, Father, in particular for everybody who's just resigned to their brokenness. God, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit and through your word, would inspire them to something more than that, an eternal kind of living. And I, I also pray for anybody and everybody who's watching, who doesn't know you, who's in the room, who does not know you, I pray that today would be the day that they surrender their lives to you. God, we don't want to be a superficial people. We want to be transformed. And so go to work in us, go to work on us in ways that we need it. Thank you, Father, that you, through the cross, have the final word over our lives. There is no other word that matters. As we respond, would you seal this work up? And I put all this in your hands now, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to sit, sit. If you want to stand and celebrate the fact that Jesus and his work on the cross has the final word over our lives, you do so. If you sing along, that'd be great. If you need prayer, send a text, 833-520-0764. 833-520-0764. Let's respond together.
longer fight the cross as a Not your brokenness. It doesn't have the final word. Not your diagnosis. It doesn't have the final word. Not your past. Not even your present. It doesn't have the final word. Not somebody. <laughs> the cross has the final word. And the word is, the kingdom is available to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for joining us online again. You sent a text. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go from here like what we said and what we said was true. Your commission out of here is a family of missionaries to go live like Jesus reigns over everything. God bless you and have a fantastic week. If you want to ask any questions of me, I'll be right here in the front. I'd love to see you. You're dismissed. Thanks so much for coming.